another episode of our mini series getting through with on conversations with Kath. Um, today I am releasing an episode with the beautiful Jesse Johns. Jess is a holistic clinical nutritionist and has studied nutritional and dietetic medicine. Um, the reason for this episode is because Jesse is just a ball of amazing holistic information and I thought that this kind of um, subject matter, resources, etc., is perfect for this time. The stress that we are all going through collectively is a lot right now, um, as well as, you know, not only those that are in lockdown, but a lot of us are coming out of lockdown now, but only freshly coming out of lockdown. And there's a lot of anxiety and fear around that. And so I thought that Jess would be the perfect person to come on the podcast today and talk to us about just some natural ways that we can help balance our bodies, stay grounded, look after our health and know um, certain warning signs for things such as endometriosis and poor gut health, which can lead to, of course, an array of problems in the body. So we kind of like touch on that as well and yeah, I just, I met Jess years ago and I've just found her page. She has not only her personal Instagram, but also um, her own page called My Nourishing Pantry, where she puts out amazing recipes and information and all this sort of stuff. And I found that to be a great resource during this time and as well coming out of this time and all the stress that I think everyone is feeling right now. It's super important to stay on on top of our health and um, staying in tune with our bodies in all of its facets. So I'm going to jump into this chat with Jess. I hope you get um, all the goodness from it. I hope it helps you. It definitely helped me as I was having the interview and editing this. I was like writing notes for myself. So pretty excited about this one. I'll leave all of Jess's details, of course, like I always do in the show notes. If you want to contact her, find her page, all the things that will be there. And yeah, enjoy this conversation. Hello, Jess, and welcome to the podcast. Funny story, everyone, of how we met. We met at Bayleaf in Byron and have been friends ever since. How many years ago (laughs) was that? Wait, was that before the photo you sent me the other day? Was that before Bayleaf? Or after? Um, that was before. So I think we met at Splendor. <gasps> okay, we met at Splendor. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> then it was like not for very long. And then you came into Bayleaf and we were like, you know what? We should be friends. And that was yeah. like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we've been friends ever since, which is wild. And you weren't, you hadn't even finished studying when we you were like kind of were you just starting your journey? Yeah. So I've been studying for five years now. Um, and I'm almost, I'm almost finished, but, um, yeah, I was part-time for a couple of years. And then, um, when I was working there, I was managing that cafe and then, um, I decided to go full-time and just focus on my study. So the last two years I've been, or like a year and a half, I've been full-time pretty much when COVID hit, I was like, all right, perfect time. Yeah, very true. Hmm. Well, I asked these series of questions so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more. So I would love to know, what is your favourite colour, movie, song and food? Okay, so favourite colour would probably be like a burnt orange kind of colour and like a mustard yellow. That's my kind of... Yes. Vibe, the browns, yep, yep, yep. that's the colour palette. <laughs> um, Favourite movie would probably, or definitely would be the Harry Potters for sure. If I had to pick one of them, it would probably be 
Order of the Phoenix or the last one, Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I'm a big, big Harry Potter fan. I, like, know all the spells, the potions. I'm, like, <laughs> very into Harry Potter. Me too. We've just finished listening to all the audio books at my work and I'm just <gasps> in the biggest frenzy again now. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay, favourite song? Favourite song. This kind of changes every day, but I guess anyone that knows me knows I'm a pretty diehard Teskey Brothers fan. Yes. <laughs> um, but this week I'm really enjoying my instrumentals playlist that I made and my fave on there at the moment, I've been listening to it all morning, is um, The Jensen's by Phil Cook. Oh, wow. Is it like a public Spotify playlist? Yeah. Okay, we're going to put that in the show notes because I want to listen to that and I'm sure everyone else will too. Okay, cool. And favourite food. This is important for someone like you. What is your favourite food? (laughs) Well, again, it's always changing, but it's a tough one. I love, like, without trying to sound too basic, but I love a good old rose veggie salad with a lot, like nuts, seeds, chickpeas, kraut, cashew Mm. cheese, like all the condiments. Um, And sometimes fish in there. I love fish. So, or like all of those kind of things, but on toast, like topped toast. Oh, my God. Yum. Okay. Mm. Come through, come through. On brand, on brand. I felt that for you. <laughs> um, well, to get to know you, I guess, a little bit more um, before we get into the juiciness of the episode, I would love to know a little bit about you and how you got into the health space. What was that journey like for you? Okay, so um, I'm 24 and I've lived in Byron Bay for the last five years, but I grew up in Adelaide. So yeah, I'm just like incredibly passionate about natural medicine and nutritional medicine, such Mm -hmm. a major component of my life, study and career wise, but just, I mean, I feel it's my purpose and it's my dream to be able to help people with their health using food as medicine and and natural medicine alternatives and modalities to heal. And um, yeah. (laughs) How did you, how did that like, like, was there, we, have you always been into that kind of like holistic health space or was there like a moment when you were like, growing up that you're like I think I give a shit about this like what was that kind of like what sparked that passion um I guess probably when I was in year 10 I was diagnosed with celiac disease so I naturally just became more health conscious and at this time funny we just got back from this school camp and this is like a really transformative to say the least it's kind of like your right to passage at the school that I went to it's Mm. a two-week camp um and it's just really heavily exercise and outdoors focused and it's just like about developing self-esteem and courage and mental strength, trusting yourself, um, yeah, questioning your doubts and what you think are limitations. So that, in addition to them becoming celiac a couple of months later, was like a duo of welcome, welcoming me into the health and wellness scene. And that's when I kind of realised or started to realise or um, have intuition towards what makes me feel good and what doesn't, what I like and don't like, and just discovered a real interest and passion for learning about how food works in the body, how it's metabolized, the nutrients things hold, and just how everybody is so different. I find that probably the most thing that I found the most interesting, especially when I was younger, because I was like, well, I've got these allergies. Like, I wonder what's going on for other people and intolerances. And, you know, it's been prob- it's been 10 years or so since then. And my na- love for natural medicine just grew from then on in a, like, as well with, um, I've experienced a lot of uh, chronic health issues throughout my life, mm. like a lot especially the last year has probably been the most challenging year of my life with my health issues, but it's also been the most riveting for me to learn firsthand. So like whenever I have something pop up, I just try and let that path kind of be my motivation. Like no matter what happens um, with me and my body and my 
um, yeah, it's just my learning experience and it's just going to make me one hell of a practitioner. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, guess on that, um, like the state of the, and we're actually having this discussion before we went on mic, um, the state of the world right now is leading to a lot of, you know, collective, collective, sorry, stress and anxiety. And we all know that stress can have a huge toll on our health. What are some things that you think we can do to help bring our bodies back into balance when there's so much, you know, externally going on, especially at the moment and in the past few months here? Uh, Such a good question. Thanks so much for asking that. Um, (laughs) It's like the million dollar question right now, isn't it? It's like, what the fuck can we do? Yeah, what can to help when there's not a lot of options? (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I have a couple of things I would recommend lifestyle wise, which are pivotal for our overall well-being and then I kind of also have some nutritional and dietary recommendations mm-hmm. again just like super simple stuff but um yeah I guess before I speak about anything food related because part of my field is so heavily related to lifestyle aspects too I wanted to touch on a couple of things that I guess um yeah just keeping things plain and simple as possible but are just so incredibly powerful for anyone's well-being or healing journey um so speaking from my studies but also personal experience I feel you know when we are so overstimulated, stressed, anxious, depressed, in a rut, whatever it is, I'm sure we're all experiencing at least one of those things right now. Mm. And um, we just need to strip it back to the basics. Our body cannot function, heal or regulate itself when we're in such a state of overstimulation and stress, which I feel we have adapted to as of late. It's been 18 months of this constant undertone and undercurrent of this simmering stress and whether we choose to still notice it now or not, it's just there, it's in the air, it's just like this collective state of stress and anxiety. And so like stripping things back to the basics is so important, but it's also really important to recognise that this is so intuitive, so it looks different for everyone. Mm. But there are a couple of things that I think we have in common that are important for all of us and they're just basic needs for human survival um, that we often overlook when we're kind of in this state and also because they're free. And I think... Like as humans today, unfortunately, we place our value where we place our dollars. Yeah, and wow, yeah. It's so backwards because some of the most incredibly valuable things that we can do for our health, they're free. You know, we can take all the herbs and all the nutraceuticals, which are like nutritional supplements. Yeah. But um, if we don't do these basic needs, I'm about to say like our body and nervous system can't uh, regulate itself. And so things end up being pretty counterproductive. So um, my basic needs are or I think these basic things are sunshine stillness and grounding um which conveniently are three things you can just do all at once but at least like 20 minutes of pure sunshine every day outside in nature like this is so so vital for our mental health right now and yet something that we're obviously not doing or doing enough of because of lockdowns and stuff but it's linked to the production of our neurotransmitter serotonin which is what allows us to feel calmer less anxious more focused Um, stable mood better sleep the whole deal and this uh, vitamin d exposure from the sun is also imperative for our health and immune system right now too um, because vitamin d is incredible and incredibly immune boosting and has antiviral effects and even more so like an hour or two in the sun is ideal and i'm not saying like go out and sting yourself until you're burnt but (laughs) um, (laughs) it's really important and like also Sunshine, um, first thing in the morning, like exposing our retinas or our eyes to sunshine straight up first thing in the morning when we um, when we first wake up, not necessarily looking directly at the sun, but 
um, exposing our eyes to broad daylight, not our phones, but actual daylight first thing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that just really quickly? Because I've heard like, is that what people call sometimes like sun gazing? I've kind of like heard it float around and I'm like, what is, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what you're touching on? I'd like to just like just a little bit about that. Cause I feel like this is a big one. Cause I know I'm the biggest culprit of just waking up and trying not to, but ending up like looking at my phone. I feel like a lot of people yeah. struggle with that. Especially because our alarms are on our phones that it's just yeah. so easy to on it. But um, basically when we expose our retinas to daylight first thing in the morning, um, retinas meaning in, on our eyes, um, it regulates our circadian rhythm. So our circadian rhythm is our body's internal natural cycle of hormonal, physical, um, mental, behavioural changes that occur over a 24-hour period. So if we regulate this first thing in the morning, um, it just has such positive cascading effects ongoing all throughout the day in regards to the rest of our health, like the rest of our hormone production, our stress response, that cortisol spike in the morning, just regulates all of that adrenal function, our mood, sleep, digestion, appetite. It just gets the body working because naturally that's, you know, we are supposed to be waking up when the sun's up and going to sleep when the sun goes down. So if we regulate that system, like watching the sunset or waking up for sunrise or not necessarily even watching sunrise, but just opening your blinds and looking out the window for 15 when you wake up, it's just got like so overlooked, but it's just got the most powerful benefits for your health. Yeah. Wow. Like even hearing you say that, I'm like, I'm like inspired. Cause I'm like, that's like, there's literally no excuse, like just do it. <laughs> but I'm like, but I feel like sometimes too, when I hear someone explain the actual science behind it, I'm like, okay, now I have like a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Definitely. Um, and yeah. like, yeah, it's just so easily overlooked. It sounds so simple, right? But when you actually think about it, it's like, of course I'm human. Like I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. So continue on to, sorry, I also interrupted you then to get you. Okay. To- yeah, but continue on what what we should be doing to help our stress levels. I'm getting stressed just thinking about. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, the last thing I want to do is stress anyone else. No, I'm actually kidding. I'm literally writing notes. I'm not joking about like, okay, okay, okay. okay. I'm sure everyone else is as well. So like my other thing is grounding. So if we do yep. this outside in nature, popping the bare, your bare feet on the dirt, on the sand, sitting on the grass, like um, it's called grounding or earthing and it's, you know, touching our skin to the earth, which natural neutralizes uh, free radicals in the body. So free radicals are unstable atoms because they have unpaired electrons and they're uh, electron shelves. So this kind of instability can cause um, a lot of damage to cells linked to inflammation, various like illnesses and diseases. But that's why we're recommended to consume things that are rich in antioxidants because antioxidants are electron donors. So these um, antioxidants uh, don't uh, an electron and it stabilizes the free radicals. So, um, but, but we can also pop our feet on the earth. So it does, it has the same effect. So it removes mm-hmm. that excess charge and it has just such positive um, effects on our, like our health in regards to stabilizing mood, improving sleep quality, um, regulating stress again, uh, reducing pain and inflammation is a huge one. Um, enhancing digestive capacities, cardiac health, speeding up wound healing, the whole deal. So yeah, that's number two. Mm, great. <laughs> and lastly, my um my fave, I would say. I don't have favorites, but this is <laughs> um lastly is stillness. And I mean by that I mean meditation. And I think 
like meditation can be a bit of a scary word for some yeah people. I struggle so I do a lot of yoga so I can moving meditation no worries get me there but like it's so, like I and I found it even harder also because I think I'm out of practice because I've really been putting it in the too hard pile but like even yesterday I finished my yoga class and I was like I'm going to sit in stillness for like just five minutes. And I literally couldn't, like, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. See, I think it can be really overwhelming. And I think, especially if you're not um, like used to it, like I find it even uncomfortable. I find it daunting and I have quite a strong meditation practice, but I think, yeah, sitting in a state of meditation, sitting with the uncomfortability of things as they arise, um, maybe just a little bit too much for people right now. And I respect that, <laughs> but um like you said, like you've got your mindful um, moving and I think mindfulness is a much more approachable word. And mm. um, the best thing about mindfulness is like we can do it in all that we do and choosing to still have mindfulness in our day-to-day lives, whether that's choosing to have mindfulness in breath or cooking or creating um, exercise, uh, walking, art, cleaning, music, or sitting on the meditation cushion, whatever it is, but that inner state of harmony is so always so accessible to all of us and you know we have all of that all we could ever need in inside of us and that being able to access that inner wisdom and that inner calm allows us to then remain so calm in what's going on in the chaos externally Mm, so true so So obviously has like such amazing impacts on mental and physical health and well-being like that that's what allows our nervous system to calm and regulate so that in itself is just melting away all of that stress it's allowing our body to then, if it's leaving that stress state, to be able to heal, like uh, regenerate and yeah. avoiding all those negative repercussions that stress can have on the body. So, um, and, it's free. Yeah, those are my and it's free because I feel like a lot of the time, whenever, like you were saying before, and I'm, I'm sure there's things which we'll talk about that can aid, you know, all mm. of that. But I love that the basics of combating stress and anxiety are something that we can all do very easily. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's about realizing that it's, it is so accessible, even though it's daunting and there's all, you know, like um, I see you kind of speak about sometimes Kath and I agree. It's like, you know, that health and wellness scene, it can be so um, like, like that need to have more. I need to have more. um, I need to do better. I need to have more um, gadgets and supplements and, and things like that. But I mean, like, yeah, like I said before, you can take all the supplements and do all the things, but if you don't have like these three things down pat, it's really counterproductive and they're free, they're vital for human survival. And um, yeah, like I said, you can do them all at once. Chuck on a guided meditation, go lay in the park or at the beach for half an hour and do that every day and you'll be laughing. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I also think too, like, I don't know if you feel like this working in this space, kind of the way that I talk about wellness, the reason why I get so passionate passionate about it is because I feel like the industry and the gimmickness of it has hijacked the actual meaning of like just something simple as if what you're like what you're saying like that is being well but because of fucking capitalism it's been hijacked also by the diet movement as well because everything fucking is when we're talking about food um I mean just on that how do you as someone that works in that space like do you ever struggle with those kind of like conflicting portals of you know in quotation marks wellness industry um I guess like I've always been quite conscious of not letting those things um affect me too much I'm really trying to make sure that I um maintain a a state where I can constantly listen to my intuition but it is 
it is really hard because like, you know, things like social media and stuff, um, it's so easy to get swept up in, in following um, health and well-being and food vloggers and influencers. And yeah, that, you know, you've got to be really careful about not getting swept up into that diet culture and, and labeling things as good and bad and um, naughty or, and yeah. So I feel like I've always remained quite um, aware and like really conscious of trying to not let things sway me too much um, or, or, or actually letting something sway me, like making sure I have an open mind, not getting caught on um, one thing or another. But um, I definitely make sure I follow people like you that really speak speak about this kind of stuff that it, um, it always pulls me up, you know. Mm, thank you. That's nice. <laughs> it is a hard it is a hard dance, though. Like I was actually on a podcast recently yeah. and I was talking about that in regards to like, which will actually, you know, it will this will kind of feed into the next question. But like there's so many things that do like possibly not all. Sometimes there's no actual backing and it's just a gimmick. But like, let's say things like intermittent fasting. And I was talking about this in a podcast and how it's so hard, because also if you too, like a lot of us have been penetrated by diet culture and then there's this thing that's branded as like healthy and good for you but it's also then like 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 if you're doing it for the right reasons sure but then also on the other flip it is encouraging fasting for example where that could actually be triggering or an excuse for someone to just not eat because of you know xyz um definitely I think like so interesting to like yeah no there's like it's such a fine fine line and it is hard to know where it is yeah and um you're so right because I feel like that intermittent fasting movement was like okay now it's socially acceptable for me to skip meals yeah literally yeah it's 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 like it's seen as a glorified good thing if I don't eat until four o'clock it's like oh well done like what yeah and (laughs) and, uh, like a lot of people don't do enough research whether that's actually good for them or not. And yep. um, intermittent fasting is actually not very good for females in their childbearing years. And all, my, a lot of the studies are done um, postmenopausal for women or on males. And mm-hmm. um, like it has the ability to severely disrupt menstruation or also um, uh, just, yeah, really alter women's reproductive health or, or like has the ability to shrink ovaries like it's really yeah not beneficial um really not for blood sugar type thing and like causes a lot of internal stress I mean yeah totally especially because the way women's or you know uterus owning individuals like the way our hormones work are so different and I feel like all the time I don't know if you find this being someone you know qualified and like a researcher in this like field, like I feel like a lot of the time it's only kind of experimented on men. Or a lot of the time I'm finding these movements yeah. are like started by men. Like even if you look at like paleo, keto, intermittent fasting, celery juice, yeah. like all of these things seem to be also instigated by men. Am I making that up or? No, not at all. You're definitely not making that up. I, I feel exactly the same. And um and obviously we're just like so different. There needs to be so much more, um, you know, studies and information out there on the effects on all people because obviously some people have got a 24-hour rhythm and other people have a 28-day, for example, cycle. Yeah. And there's no one-size-fits-all. But, yes, it's a very male-dominated, like, yeah. Space. I mean, I world. <laughs> but space there as well um yeah 
Oh my God, I could talk about this stuff like all day. It's just, because also, I mean, as you know, like, I mean, we've followed each other for a while. Like I've been on my own journey of like navigating myself through, you know, the wellness industry and still now caring about what I put in my body. I still exercise daily. I still, you know, I'm really into all that stuff, but I find it really hard to like even even find space for it online anymore because I feel like it's been so hijacked that I don't even know what to do. Like it's almost like I've distanced my, myself completely because I'm like, I think as well as someone, like I've obviously open, sp- openly spoken about having an eating disorder. I found the wellness industry, both a positive and a massive negative and deterrent to like my recovery because I used all these things as an excuse to just still be yeah. obsessed with food. Um yeah so it's just I find it so interesting yeah totally it is so interesting and it is so daunting um from a like social media perspective I find as well because it's like everyone has an opinion and Mm. it's so and so they should because uh every food and every person digests metabolizes and utilizes um and excretes nutrients so differently and food so differently so everything is so different for everyone so of course everyone's going to have a different opinion but it's like that's why things people who are sharing health stuff on social media um yeah you need to be really careful because yeah and qualified I feel like it should be I feel like they should bring in a law because there's so many people like influencers and stuff I mean I've probably been guilty of this as well in my past of giving health advice when they're actually not qualified I mean even if you look, I don't know what your opinion. Okay. Wow. I'm just going to ramp now. I swear this is the last point and then we'll move on. But isn't it true again? Don't know if I've made this up that mm-hmm. the guy, I think he's the medical medium who started the celery juice trend is like mm-hmm. not qualified at all. Like he literally just like, God speak to me and told me that this is right. Yeah. And he's like, not a researcher. That's what, I, that's what I heard too. I read the, I read the medical medium and I have heard that. Yeah, it says it in the book as well. <laughs> yeah. Scary. <laughs> Scary. And um, but then also there's some like some people that I follow uh, that are just like so incredibly knowledgeable, like yeah. way beyond anything that I could know because they've all done all of this personal research mm. and I've have genuinely backed it up with science and studies and stuff like that, but they don't have a degree. And I'm like, fuck, like that's really awesome too. Yeah, it's a hard balance though. It's so, I mean, the internet's a minefield. Like it's just, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. We'll just leave it at that. It's a lot. <laughs> a lot. But I, um, I had some uh, things that I wanted to mention like nutrition wise. I oh, guess. yes. Sorry. Yes. On the stress. Let's the go. Stress Back to topic. Sorry, me getting sidetracked with my stupid rants. I guess I could recommend a million things. I feel like my brain's going to explode. But um, again, if we're just thinking about back to the question of like um, if you're feeling stressed or anxious with everything going on right now and stripping things back to the basics, it's just that like three litres of water and at least three nutrient-dense and balanced meals per day. And balanced meaning balanced with proteins, carbs and fats with every meal. Mm. And like just eating a really diverse array of fruit and veg and grains to enhance and feed your microbiome and increase your phytonutrient intake so the more the diverse the better all the colors all the flavors including pickles and ferments so these kind of things add to the microbiome too and i say like the balanced side of things is because you want to be eating every four at least every four hours so 
um, if you can balance your blood sugar with some protein every four hours, because our blood sugar actually has a reciprocal or as a kind of a wrong word, um, I want to say symbiotic, it has like a positive correlation with um, our cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So if you're stressed, your blood sugar spikes. And meaning if you balance your blood sugar with protein, you balance your internal stress response. Mm. Um, so I think that's really important to remember. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be massive amounts of protein or anything like that, but it's just like that constant um, stabilizing is, is really important for our, yeah, our stress response. And like, yeah, I guess if you're feeling stressed and anxious and out of balance, um, I think I, I try to not really talk about foods to avoid because yeah. I'm kind of like, include this, include this, include this. And then the rest kind of happens naturally. Someone starts to feel good. They're realizing what makes them feel good. And then the rest just flows. So I think it just goes yeah. without saying um, labeling certain foods, but I mean, just avoiding the foods that make you feel like shit. And that's just intuitive. And I think we all know that by now. Yeah, um, totally. But like including the foods that make you feel good. So yeah. like, you could, I could even touch on, yeah, consuming some tryptophan rich foods, which um, tryptophan is a precursor to building our mood, mood boosting neurotransmitter serotonin. So typically um, if we eat more tryptophan, our body can make more serotonin. Um, yeah. They're kind of like eating for happy, <laughs> yeah. um, which is pretty cool. And yeah, these kind of foods are like leafy greens, oats, uh, watercress, tuna, um, what else? Nuts, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, chicken, pineapple, banana, tomatoes, mushrooms, kiwi, broccoli. You get the idea. So, yeah, um, yeah those tryptophan rich foods um, can be super mood boosting, but also like uh, foods that are rich in magnesium can have really calming effects on the body. Mm -hmm. um, these kinds of things are like kale, spinach, collard greens, uh, cacao, quinoa, oats a really big variety of nuts and seeds are really rich in, in magnesium, avo, um, oysters. I could honestly go on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that's actually on, on the eating every four hours as well. I think that's a big one for me. Cause I know me, especially during this time and especially, you know, being in Sydney and being in lockdown and being stuck at home, I feel like I, when I'm stressed in this way, don't, I find myself skipping meals a lot, um, sometimes most of the time accidentally. Um, so do you think, because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, either either way, but can struggle with that. Is that something in your opinion that really affects like the nervous system when we skip meals or not so much? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because if that blood sugar starts to spike and then um, that ongoing effects of cortisol and then the stress, inflammation, like, yeah, all of that, it definitely is is really um, important to be able to be eating really regularly. That skipping meals is really not beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Good to yeah. Um, Okay, there's also a couple of things that I kind of wanted to mention nutritional supplement-wise because there's also a lot of supplements that can help with stress and anxiety too. But, I mean, me recommending these things on a podcast is a very blanket statement. It's very non-individualised bit of a green pharmacy type vibes and that's definitely not what I'm trying to do because it may not actually get to the root cause of what's really going on for someone and that's the uh, purpose of a natural medicine practitioner so because experiencing symptoms of stress and anxiety is so different for everyone because their causes can be so different for everyone like anxiety or depression for example is a symptom for a lot of things meaning 
potentially an imbalanced gut microbiome because um, I know a lot of people have heard this, but you know, serotonin is predominantly made in the gut. So recommending supplements to help these things may not actually get to the root cause of what's really going on for someone, which could be a gut issue, but of course can um, provide some temporary symptomatic relief whilst investigating the root cause with the practitioner, which is, you know, why natural medicine consultations uh, really take the cake there. So I guess that's my disclosure statement, <laughs> but um, there are some supplements like, um, like GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that has a really calming effect on the body and um, in states of anxiety and stress. And of course, um, what else? B vitamins are essential for optimal brain function and mental and mood stability. And like I said, magnesium before has got a really calming effect on the body. But yeah, I would um, definitely be uh, seeking like individual guidance from a health professional before self-supplementing anything. But it's just some of those things are really, nutrients are really important to think of, even just from a diet point of view. Mm. And um, yeah, I guess one thing I, I really want to mention is that um, for anyone feeling extremely stressed, adaptogenic herbs are next level. And I obviously don't have qualifications to be recommending um, things like that yet but if I if someone out there would want to go to do some further research or seek some professional guidance into adaptogenic herbs like various types of ginseng ashwagandha astragalus shizandra all of these are really extremely powerful adaptogens which basically support and nourish the body through its times of stress and alter its stress response so you obviously want to make sure that these are really high quality herbs from reputable sources like um like a herbal dispensary or apothecary and you know, like some really amazing brands out there now, like Superfeast, have really high quality herbal supplements and adaptogens. Um, but yeah, adaptogens are my lifesaver when I'm stressed. I'm not sure who I would who I would be without ashwagandha. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Your work has a big focus on gut health. So for anyone who is unsure, what does gut health mean and why should we be caring about it? So... I mean, you probably like heard me mention um, micro, the microbiome before, which is what we're typically talking about when we talk about gut health. Mm. Um, so the gut is like the ruler of the body. It's in charge. It's the brain of the body. And the balance of our gut microbiome is a direct indication of our state of health. So um, there's like incredible amounts of info backing this now. Um, obviously, the gut health side of things has only really become apparent to mainstream media the last like five, 10 years. That might even be being generous, but... Um, the amount of science breakthroughs that they've had in regards to it is insane now. And of course, then further studies on how we can improve our gut health with foods and probiotic therapy, um, which is so cool. And yeah, I guess we have some would say good bacteria and bad bacteria, but they all serve a purpose. It's about having the right balance. And sometimes we have pathogenic bacteria, yes, but um, this can obviously do more harm than good in high amounts, which is where nutritionists and naturopaths come in. We run tests and put together protocols and treatment plans based on your gut health as an individual to minimize or eliminate that kind of bacteria, but also allow the microbiome to really flourish. So yeah, like I said, the state of um, your health, your gut health reflects the state of your health and it's our immune system. 70% of our uh, immune system is housed in there. So a flourishing microbiome can yeah, it can be really be seen from looking at someone as can a suffering one, like the effects are felt so deeply and show up in like so many different ways, not just gut symptoms. Um, obviously, yes, the gastrointestinal ones, but also like things like brain fog, headaches, um, itchiness, mood swings, dark bags under the eyes, acne, skin rashes, hives, insomnia, lethargy, fatigue, dizziness, like all of these things 
um, is just our gut's kind of way of talking to us because our gut has connections to other organs, of course, and communicates on what um, practitioners like to call the, the gut brain axis or gut skin axis. So whatever's going on in the gut affects the other end of the axis, meaning the brain or the skin or, and yeah, that really just highlights how integral gut health is. And also to look beyond the surface of your symptoms, because some of these really strange symptoms can occur because our gut is just asking for a bit of help. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, um, having it like an issue, uh, in our gut obviously lowers the immune system. So it makes us so much more susceptible to other issues like bacterial overgrowth, viral infections, parasites, mold, fungal inf- uh, overgrowth, stealth pathogens, and any of these things create inflama- inflammation. And that's key to just flipping a little switch and like, boom, a chronic health issue for someone. And when really, if we just kept our microbiome in check holistically, we can, we can really fun- like flourish because, mm. um, yeah. And like in today's society too, because, you know, we're exposed to so many toxins chemicals, pesticides, preservatives, like um, cleaning products, perfumes, pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, and stress, so much stress. So um, all of these things just damage the microbiome in the gut and on the skin. And it doesn't just grow back overnight. Some bacteria you never get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And um, yeah, I mean, when this bacteria is gone, the good guys, we usually, which usually fights to keep the gut in check. It creates a a breeding ground for maybe the not so good guys and things to start get to things start to get really inflamed and acidic and that's when um you know health issues and symptoms start and it can take up to like six months to restore someone's gut health back to a state where they feel you know healthy and balanced and this involves more than just probiotics and food it's it's that stress reduction sleep management exercise and limiting toxin exposure but supporting the body's immune system and detoxification pathways to handle toxins because um they're inevitable yeah totally so they would kind of be your top tips like if someone was listening to this and they were like Mm -hmm. oh my god i don't know where to start or i don't know how to keep my gut health in check or i feel like something is wrong but i like don't i'm i'm lost on what to do about it with those things that you just mentioned like you know um obviously there's probiotics and all that but like the exercise stress levels um all that sort of thing is that would they be like your top tips for someone who's unsure um I guess yes but yeah just like get dirty to be honest go for Mm -hmm. an ocean swim lay on the ground don't be so obsessive with over cleaning yourself or everything around you especially with chemicals and non-natural cleaning products like and yeah just that thing like stop trying to just like sanitize our body because we are made of all these amazing types and strains of bacteria and we need them and um the way that we can look after them is eating like i said before an array of produce and whole foods as diverse as possible including things like pre and probiotics so prebiotics are things that feed the gut microbiome Mm. and so they're kind of like artichoke um asparagus garlic onion uh shallots leek chicory fennel beetroot and like those things yeah really kind of nourish the microbiome but then there's things that are probiotic probiotic foods are trillions more bacteria than taking a probiotic so so much more beneficial but those things that actually contain probiotics that then you're adding to the microbiome so that's like your kimchi sauerkraut lacto-fermented pickles cashew cheeses um like tempeh miso yogurt kefir that kind of stuff yeah wow hmm great um 
<laughs> Moving on. Again, I feel like we kind of definitely touched on this, but we're going to touch on it even more. Um, we talk a, a lot about balance when it comes to health and the wellness space as we were before, but I would like mm-hmm. to know what does balance mean to you? Um, well, this is a goodie. Mm-hmm. I, I guess balance to me is intuition. I think we have an inner knowing of when we have too much or too little of something. And our intuition usually tells us that there's a little fleeting moment where it speaks and it's whether we choose to listen to it or not. And that's definitely not something we're taught (laughs) and although it should be, Mm. um, it's a lot, it's something a lot of us have to, you know, learn when we're a bit older. Um, But I also think it's, you know, just about having a bit of everything, not labeling things as too, like labeling things as good or bad or negative positive dark light like just accepting that things are as they are in that moment and that we should be able to experience it all experience life give ourselves permission with no guilt no shame no rules and yeah I think balance is experiencing it all and and I think the more we do something too much or become factuated on things we put labels on them we put them in these scary little boxes and they like boxes then have power over us but Mm. when we stop doing things and just accept things as they are and and give ourselves permission to have it all, have a balance of everything, then we naturally choose to be intuitive with our needs and then naturally find balance. Totally. What are some things that you do to achieve balance, if you don't mind me asking? Um, (laughs) I guess, yeah, kind of everything you just said, right? Yeah, I think um, just constantly reassessing, like Mm. being like, you know, why am I not feeling good this week or like you know like setting goals and that kind of thing but to be able to make sure I'm covering all the areas that I feel like I want to that make me feel my best so yeah yeah does that make sense no it makes total sense um yeah checking in yeah checking in I guess my thing also is always asking like the why especially within the wellness space like the why am I doing something or participating in yeah I find that to be a really helpful way to like oh, stay, that's so true. stay in check. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, I was about to ask you, I'm going to ask you what your three top tips for staying well are. I feel like we had those beautiful three top tips at the beginning um, mm-hmm. with the sun and the grounding um, and the stillness. So those aside, mm-hmm. <laughs> what would be your t- three top tips for staying well? Three top tips for staying well. Well, yeah, I guess obviously movement like move your body um exercise yeah 100 percent, and um connection yeah connecting with other people I think one of my favorite um practitioners she said this awesome thing once and it's community is immunity and I just like that gives me goosebumps because it's so true like we are not well when we are alone yeah and um yeah staying well is staying together and yeah, number three would just be eating the rainbow. <laughs> mm, true. For anyone that doesn't know exactly what you do, because um, I feel like there's so many labels within that, you know, there's like dietitians, nutritionists, like I can't even, sometimes I'm like a bit like, whoa, could you explain to our listeners what it is exactly that you do and how maybe that differs from other kind of job titles in your space? Totally. Um, I think as well when yeah when people hear 
nutrition and dietetics they they think meal plans and they're like oh cool can you make me a meal plan but I think I mean it's so different from that I don't I don't really make meal plans I can and we know how to but it's just so much more than that it's so much more holistic and that's why I like to say it's a nutritional and dietetic medicine degree it's using food as medicine um it is primarily a medicine degree. Instead of prescribing pharmaceuticals, we prescribe nutraceuticals or probiotics. And these nutritional supplements are used therapeutically to help someone maintain, I mean, help someone yeah, maintain good health or um, recover from illness or just uh, achieve a state of optimal health. And, you know, we analyze people's diets for sure. And we use certain therapeutic diets or very specific foods medicinally, but we also investigate in depth into someone's body and how it works and how they tick all their like various bodily systems, their GI health, nervous system, cardiovascular, endocrine, but also the, the holistic side of it is asking things about their lifestyle, their mental state, um, emotional distress, toxin exposure, um, health history, family history, what their upbringing was like and their previous travel and their living situations, um, any current or past medications, what their support network's like and their values. And, you know, we use all of these, all of these things, all of this information that we gather to formulate a treatment plan um, using research clinical evidence so that their treatment plan is based on something that is so incredibly individualized and suited for them. And then we explain all of it to them. So that way they feel educated and of course then feel empowered and then they can go home and take their health into their own hands and, you know, optimally, um, yeah, achieve a, a state of optimal health, but um, there's so much that's achieved along the way because of this holistic process. And that's that self-awareness and self-trust and self-compassion and body autom autonomy. And yeah, it's really amazing. And I just think, yeah, I feel like not a lot of people know the extent of it and how, you know, we use clinical diagnostic techniques and lab tests and um, physical examinations to highlight area areas, any areas of excess or deficiencies or um, outline how the body systems are functioning, how they're interacting with one another. And if this then highlights any areas of concern or support or maybe areas that are really flourishing. So we work on a very similar framework to naturopathic medicine, except we just don't prescribe herbs. We focus on food and nutraceuticals. Yeah. Wow. Well, sadly we're coming to the end of our chat, but before we go, I would like to know what is one thing you would like people to take away from this chat? Considering everything going on right now, I would say probably just get out in the sun and bare feet on the ground. Take some quiet time out for yourself to just be able to hear your intuition, tap into that inner calm so that we can go out into the world and, and remain steady. And yeah, just stripping things back to the basics. Everything's so overwhelming right now. And um, there's so many things around us that we can do that are free. And yeah, that sunshine, grounding, stillness, water, nourishing meals, and of course, if you're suffering from this kind of stress or anxiety or depression right now, like know that you're not alone and that there's so many health practitioners out there that can help you if you need it. Clinical nutritionists only being one of many, um, you know, these conditions we see and support in clinic regularly. So I am in clinic now. I'm on the Gold Coast campus. So um, I'm taking on clients there and will be ongoingly. Um, Amazing. And you yeah. virtually as well, because obviously we'll leave all your details in the show notes, but just for every, anyone listening that would have that question. Um, uh, yes. Do you, see, you see, do you see people outside of the Gold Coast Byron area? 
Um, well, I was actually going into clinic virtually because the borders were closed. Yeah. But now that open, um, I can go onto campus, but I will um, be definitely finding out whether I can still do things virtually or not, or whether it has to be on campus. I'm pretty sure I'd be able to do things virtually. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely um, keep you updated on that. Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. That was a very insightful chat. So I've like taken so many notes for myself um, here on the side. Thank so you. yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Kath. It's always been like, like a dream of mine to, you know, have this kind of chat with you and on a podcast or yeah, mm-hmm. I really am inspired by you. So thank you so much. Vice versa. <laughs> Thank you.